Welcome in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have an incredibly special guest joining us today. We have the actress Catherine Heaton, who is currently in the Broadway production of Phantom of the Opera, joining us today to talk to us about that production as well about as her storied career in the theater, which ranges from everything from Cats to Evita to an album with the Boston Pops and the Boston Symphony and everything in between. So with that, Catherine, welcome to Whisper in the Wings. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Andrew. I am so excited to have you here. Our our little pre-show conversation, I felt like we could have just gone on and on, just swapping war stories. Yeah, we're, we're long lost friends. I can feel it. But I, I I gave a terrible summation of your your resume essentially, but you really have had this incredible career in the theater. And right now it's landed you in the heart of Broadway at the longest running show, 35 years, sadly slated to close. But I mean, it's the most iconic show, which is Phantom of the Opera. Why don't we start with that? And for any of our listeners who I guess either are new to this or live under a rock, I feel like, why don't you tell us a little bit about the show, The Phantom of the Opera? So The Phantom of the Opera on Broadway originated first in London more than 35 years ago, but Phantom opened in New York City at the Majestic Theater on January 26, 1988. And it is still kicking, unfortunately, only another couple of weeks. But it is a twisted love story about a phantom who's living in a lair of the the Paris Opera House. And it's being haunted by him. And people are trying to put on this amazing show while people are simultaneously dying in the theater unexplained and that it's just a beautiful spectacle phantom is the most beautiful show to see on broadway i'm biased probably but there's a reason it's been around for as long as it has there is incredible music obviously The dancing is out of this world. We have professional ballet dancers who are also singing their faces off. We have professional opera singers who are also moving in these amazing turn of the century costumes, some of them weighing 35 pounds. Like I think Carlotta's dress and Piangi's cape and a lot of the ensemble they're they're carrying around this incredible fabric and beading and everything is done by hand and it's just sparkling and loud and there's fire there's gunshots there's love at the heart of all of this so it is an an incredible show and I started becoming aware of it because um, in the very early 90s, I was very young, I loved to sing. So my parents put in the double CD 
at the time. And I used to mimic what was going on with, you know, all I ask of you. And I would play Raul and Christine in the living room and, you know, do the title song and go up to the high E. And finally we thought, okay, this kid has something going on, I guess that she's kind of good. So Phantom, you know, I love music. I love music. It was always playing in my house, whether it was the Beatles or Elvis or Linda Ronstadt or Mariah Carey or Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, huge range, but also Broadway. And my father is a singer as well, not by trade, but he should have been, he would have been very successful. And he always sang and my mom sings and they played music. My siblings love the music. And I just happened to really find my niche with these, you know, big booming scores. And Phantom was the first thing that I ever heard, you know, at the same time that the Disney movies were coming out, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, those those amazing iconic films. And now I'm in Phantom. So Phantom has always been my trajectory. No matter what's on my resume, I wanted to be in Phantom. I love that. And you're absolutely right. It is probably one, it, it is the most, if not one of the most, beautiful shows on Broadway right now. Yeah. It is so iconic. And actually I have a, a little tidbit about the chandelier falling. So I just attended in the audience. I was not in the show that night, but I was in the audience for the 35th anniversary in January. And my seat happened to be right under the the drop of the chandelier. And I personally, in all my years there, have never seen the show from that area of the theater. You know, as an actor, you're usually up in a box or back by the sound booth and you're trying to scribble your lines and uh, your, your stage directions and study your tracks and everything. So this was like, I really sat and I was a guest, I was a patron and it was an incredible, like I have chills just thinking about it. And I was taking pictures like a tourist and <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. But you walk in though, and in, in uh, for Act Two, and after the fall of the chandelier, and there's that huge red curtain, and it's just like it's iconic. It's iconic. There's no other word. Um, it it's it should be a New York City landmark. I mean, every city in the U.S. has its thing, right? But New York City has everything. <laughs> so, and, and then it has Broadway. So being a, a touring artist for many years, the thing about New York is you just have all of the shows at your fingertips. And I really think that not having the marquee there at the Majestic for Phantom is going to be a huge loss, unfortunately. I hope it's not, but just even visually, I mean, when you're driving up 8th Avenue and you see the mask on 44th and 8th, it's pretty amazing. I love that you are a part of this show, though. You are a part of this iconic show. You currently, correct me if I'm wrong, you're playing the wardrobe mistress and the uh, confidant. 
as well. No, actually, oh. current, I am a vacation swing. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so, so much has happened. I have been with the show for eight years. I started as a vacation swing. I was hired to cover a two-month leave of absence in the ensemble. The track was The Innkeeper's Wife. So I made my Broadway debut on February 2nd. 2015 as the innkeeper's wife no understudies nothing just come in do that two-month track and you know do your best and that turned into me learning seven tracks in the female ensemble and finally the principal role of Madame Giri which happened because I didn't even audition for it. I mean, I had to read for it and I had to sing for it, but I did it in the theater. There was an emergency, a couple emergencies happening at the same time. So they offered that to me. And all of a sudden I was a principal on Broadway. That was still all while I was a vacation swing. About two years later, I someone in the ensemble left and I was offered her track. So I became the page and Madame Jury understudy and the confidant wardrobe mistress cover. I still swung as well, but I was the page every night. Then last summer, I made the very difficult decision to step away. And that didn't last very long because I thankfully was called back to sub and that's vacation swinging again and vacation swing could mean many things it doesn't mean someone's on a vacation I mean hopefully that's the reason but it could mean a medical illness it could mean a family tragedy it could mean an injury a number of things so I've been in and out now for a couple months doing mostly the Madam Fearman track, who sits up in the opera box during Think of Me. And, you know, all these little tracks, there's six ensemble women, not including the dancers. And they do so many different things, but you just have it all in your head. And when you need to pull one out, you pull one out. <laughs> so right now I'm I'm on call for for that. And unfortunately, the show is set to close in a few weeks so I'm not sure I will get back on stage I hope I do but so do we but I am in awe and I've always been in awe of swings because even as a dresser you know a couple of tracks is hard enough to to keep track of and it just kind of gets funneled into just my track my one track this is what I do and whatever you're doing that's great but here's where we meet you are literally memorizing seven different people's traffic patterns and here's where I get this costume and this prop and I have to stand here and and it could be on a moment's notice that they're like hey guess what you're going on for so and so and you're like great that's track number 3 and you immediately have to know it i mean kudos to all the people in the show but I really think the superstars in the show are the swings because they know the most tracks and can just do them on the turn of a dime. Right. And, and you just said it as somebody who is a dress, a dresser that is huge. The backstage traffic as they call it is just as important 
as the onstage traffic. When you go to see a show in the audience, you have no idea what's going on backstage. Thankfully, it's not chaotic. It's it's organized chaos. So if I have to wait at the top of this step to, to make sure this person in this costume passes me before I go down, and then I can't sit in my seat in the wig room too early because then I'm going to cut off the person who has to get their wig faster than me. And this is where I do this costume. And this is where I do this costume. And like you said, this is where I pick up this prop. And it's very detailed. And you have to have a specific head for it. To be honest, a lot of people love swinging it. And a lot of people don't, it's a hate it or love it kind of thing. I think that just because you're a swing in one show doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great as a swing in every show. I think that Phantom, I was very lucky when I was temporary in the beginning. They taught me each role one after another. So I wasn't learning seven at once. I can imagine Obviously, if you're opening a new show, like if I'm a swing in Bad Cinderella, I have to learn all of that during the rehearsal process. And wow, I'm not sure how hard that is. I can't even imagine it. But luckily, you know, my contracts kept getting extended and they, they would say, here's a new rider. You're going to learn the mirror bride track. This next rider, Madam Fearman's going on vacation. This next rider, this person unfortunately hurt their back or something. And would you like to come in and learn this track? And it was very relaxed, except the Madam Jury was a little, like I said, it was a little bit of an emergency situation. But I, again, was very lucky. And I appreciate you shouting out to the swings. So... It's quite an experience to be a swing. I don't even, I, I just love, to be honest, I love looking through all the pictures that I have in all the different costumes over the years. It it just really fills me up with joy, especially the what it took for me to get even recognized or noticed in the audition process for this. So, so it's it's quite an experience and I've had, I'm really blessed to have all these photos and memories in my head. Yes. I do want to pass on just another question or another moment for our listeners regarding how you got here, particularly with your training. So I see that you got your bachelor's and your master's both at NYU. I did. You are a lovely Liberty, um, but you also did some studying up at Berkeley College of Music, the New England Conservatory. For our younger listeners out there, you know, getting ready to do the whole college thing and all of that, can you speak a little bit about your path to, um, of, of regarding education and training a little bit? Sure. That is a an amazing time of my life that I am really sad is over for now. I would say that when I had to make these major life decisions, we're always 16 years old or 17 years old. And I initially went to Berkeley because I wanted to be a pop star. I didn't necessarily need to be the Christina Aguilera type or the Britney 
type. That was what was in right then. And I, I just love singing. I love to sing what's on the radio. I love power ballads. I also had this operatic sound. When I sing pop, I take it out, but I still had this like in my back pocket, these high C's or whatever, or this, this mezzo tone where I could also emulate, you know, Maria Callas's recordings. So Berkeley was actually a really interesting place for me. I spent two years there before deciding I wanted to go to a liberal arts college with a a major name. I thought that Berkeley was kind of, I started to sense that I didn't want, at this time, I know the school has grown, but at this time I did not want my degree on my resume to say Berkeley College of Music. I wanted it to say Boston University, New York University, University of Massachusetts. I, I grew up in Mass. So, you know, I did the UMass Lowell circuit and all of that. And ultimately, I decided to thankfully transfer to NYU because they accepted me for whatever reason. And the rest is history. And I will say that in between my undergraduate and my graduate degree, there were about three years there where I was confused and lost. And I got my undergrad in opera performance. But at Berkeley, I was doing pop. So it was, I'm always torn. I live every day. Should I, do I want to sing pop today? Do I want to sing opera today? Do I want to sing Andrew Lloyd Webber today? And I kind of got these jobs, not jumping ahead, but a little bit jumping ahead. I I got these Andrew Lloyd Webber jobs because you're kind of doing both. Like you have to belt in Phantom if you didn't know. It's not all, you know, vibrato singing in, in Evita and in Cats. And I mean, there's, you just have to do different things. But when I went to NYU for opera performance, it was an incredible time I was singing in German, in Spanish, in English, obviously, but also Latin, in French. It was just in Italian, obviously, the the cornerstone of opera, but it was all of these amazing songs and repertoire and arias and art songs. And you you became an art, a student of art. I loved the setting. I loved my dorm room. I loved everything about the city, but there was no path after that. So I moved back home and I auditioned and that's when I started singing with the Boston Pops. I got into that. That's how I met James Taylor. That's how, and, 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 you know, I get a little bored sometimes. So I get antsy, I get gypsy like, and I thought, all right, been here now for a couple of years doing my temp job thing. And I was working in a business office. I was doing accounts payable. I was doing shipping and receiving at a warehouse. I was hostessing at night. I was really hustling. And I said, all right, maybe I'll go back to school because I kind of don't know what I'm doing. And I always think it is a bad financial decision, but it is a good everywhere else decision. If you don't know what you're doing, go to school. You can't be too educated, in my opinion. Again, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, so I don't 
I recommend like maybe you research the financials a little bit more. But in the end, I got these kind of office jobs because I had a degree from NYU. It looked good. So I wanted to rep I wanted to have that on there that that I went to, you know, a a major accredited university. Then I thought, okay, I'm gonna go back to different schools for opera because that's kind of where my voice has its little niche. Well, I didn't like any of the programs that I auditioned for. I felt like a fish out of water. I don't want to give opera a bad name because it does not have a bad name, but I, I just wanted to be more free. And I called up the head of the voice department at NYU and I said, you know, I'm really confused. I loved it there. I don't want to do opera again. And he's like, well, why aren't you doing theater? Your voice is amazing. And I'm like, oh <laughs> and I'm like well I do it but like I don't like I can really do this and he was like yeah so long story short I re-audition I resubmit my FAFSA I re-get all the bills all of this stuff I get an apartment and I start back at NYU as a master's student but in theater and I was in like six productions just in the two years I was there. Again, invaluable, all in English this time. So that was different. But I was playing roles. And the funniest thing was, is it was I got a little typecast as the old lady roles, because I wasn't old, I was only 25. But I guess I was older for what was going on there. And I nailed the old lady parts or the sidekick or the funny thing. And you know, we did this huge production of King David that was not an old lady, but it was this incredible gala performance with where Tim Rice came and Alan Menken came and we had this big reception and, and just to be in that was an incredible experience. You know, I, I had some really great experiences there, plus the name on the resume. But again, when the classes ended, so did the contacts. There wasn't much help. I really thought there was going to be a connection being in New York City. Like the faculty really wasn't in touch as much as I had hoped. So once again, after the showcase, which was very poorly attended, if I could be honest, uh, it was back to the pavement. So there was no agents, there was no phone calls, there was no, it, it was, it was pretty bleak after I left there. And again, I was left feeling a little bit lost. So that's the education, I would say, really, really, really research as best as you can, where you're gonna fit. First of all, this is about you. And this is your money or your parents money or your money like I'm late in life here and it's I'm still paying for this so really research that and research the connections and yeah I, I I'm sure all of these programs that I'm talking about have grown since but it is a hard time and it's hard to give yourself a break it's hard to plan your whole life when you're 16 but education is big I think that it, I think you can't over educate yourself as I wrap up this first part of our interview, I want to ask what message or thought you're hoping our listeners will take away from this conversation so far? 
I would hope that I know we haven't really talked about the journey after school yet, but there was a good 10 year period where I was pounding pavement. I've never had an agent. I've never had somebody help me get an audition. And the takeaway that I can give for that is you have to do your own work. You have to be your own advocate. Just like now, Phantom is closing. Ooh, wow, what a resume. Well, guess what? I don't have any job offers after this. And I am going back to the email, back to the audition, back to the self-tape. You have to obviously don't continue if you're not getting any feedback, but this was a long process to get to where I didn't even get my union, my equity card until I was in my thirties. So, Mm -hmm. but then some people have overnight success stories and that's great too. Like power to you. I wish I had the Broadway salary in my twenties. I could have (laughs) on <laughs> real estate or something or been been rich or whatever but i i don't know what else to say other than nobody's usually nobody's gonna help you you have to believe in yourself and you have to you have to advocate for yourself at, in all things by the way I want to dive a little bit more now into your experience as maybe a patron, but also as an artist, I guess, still in the theater. Let our audience get to know you a little bit more as a person. And I want to start by asking you, what inspires you? What playwrights, shows, or composers inspire you in the past or some of your favorites? Okay, so probably going to lose followers here but the first musical I ever listened to was Little Shop of Horrors and I was seeing my sister who was one of the urchins in the high school play at her school and I was starstruck and enamored by the music I mean it's Alan Menken pop music at its finest I remembered once I got into singing more, you know, my dad brought home a showboat CD. We had chorus line in the house. Ah, this is a huge question. I think theater inspires me. Not to sound corny, but if I could go see anything, I'm not going to be bored. Even if it's not that good. Just sitting in the seat and you know getting your ticket i mean back then they used to punch your ticket or whatever getting your ticket ripped or nowadays showing your phone when you when you go in and and being in the different theaters on broadway or or you know even even i had to go to you know when my nieces were in plays or something you know going to their their elementary school auditorium and sitting in the seat. There's something about like getting ready to see a show. I don't care what level it's at. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be jazzed in some way that inspires me, the sitting in the seat and uh, like, so, or in New York, seeing the marquee 
seeing seeing the the flashing lights and and walking through the theater and then hearing the orchestra do the overture and then for act two you know just when you come back from the bathroom or getting your drink or your m&ms or whatever your swag your t-shirt you know hearing the entract come back and you know i'm biased for phantom because that's the most beautiful overture and and entract ever you know, then when the curtain opens. So it's all those things that happen even before the downbeat happens. Theater is a whole body experience. And, you know, I love anything from The Music Man to Wicked. I, I listen to Wicked normally on my my iPhone. You know, I mean, hello, original Broadway cast. And it's just, it's incredible. I, I listened to, you know, the last five years, like if my heart is ripped out in, you know, I'm still hurting or whatever, you know, some Jason Robert Brown or, or Phantom, you know, it's just it, how different can you get? It's, it's really about the story. I mean, lame is hello, mm. you know, wow. I, oh, I even saw Frozen because a bunch of people I knew were in that or some of our hair room professionals went over to that hair room and I went to see the show. And then I auditioned for the show, the tour, and I was like crying at the end when the sisters, you know, discover that that's the true love. I mean, I cried at Frozen. So, and I'm not really a crier. It's just incredible i can't put i can't put it into one sentence what inspires me it's the entire experience of going to the theater i love that yeah <laughs> well what is your favorite part about working in the theater mm. Ooh, my, the first thing that just came to my head was really quick this is pre-covid people coming to see it. People who I love that are important to me coming to see it is my favorite part about being in a show. There it is. That's it. Obviously being in the show is my other favorite part, but yeah, I would say there's like, you could be on show number seven of the week, totally dragging, but someone texts you that they're, this actually happened to me a couple weeks ago. Somebody that I have known like my whole life randomly texted me, oh my gosh, I'm like a picture of my insert in the playbill. And she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were in the show. This is amazing. Like, I'll see you after. So I got to see someone for 10 minutes outside that I hadn't seen in forever. And or like when more close people, like when my parents were there my first night or you know, my siblings, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins have come. And now my, my husband, my now husband's family, you know, when they've seen it. And it's just because they're so proud of you. And they know what it took to get there. And, you know, it might be their first time seeing it. And other than that, I would say the singing is at the top of my list, just to be able to sing these this high soprano line or whatever I'm doing or be in this dance number like in in Evita the Buenos Aires 
dance number. I mean, I am not built to be in that. And I was in it and I felt like a dancer. Took four weeks of rehearsal, but a lot of ice packs, a lot of crying. But, you know, it's like those things where you, you're like, I'm doing this. And you see, especially when you're on tour, you see all the theaters in the whole United States and North America, Canada, that every single one looks different. So as a touring artist, I could say something I miss is how every week or every couple weeks or sometimes on the non-act tours every night, you're in a new theater. Your perspective is different every single night. Yeah. I really like that. Well, that's a perfect lead into one of my final questions. Okay. Because my favorite question, and I'm so excited. I think I'm only going to get one of them from you, but what is your favorite theater memory? I feel like you have a million, but what is one of your favorite theater memories? Oh boy. I would say, not trying to be biased to my other things, but I would say walking into the Majestic as an actor for the first time, as a hired actor, I'm going to start crying. You're not going to make me cry for rehearsal. My first rehearsal was just walking into the Majestic, the black steel stage that is nowhere else on Broadway and just looking out and, you know, that that became my home for eight years and it's I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I love that. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. I know. I'm really, I'm really unstable when I talk about the majestic. It's such an amazing memory. Thank you for sharing that. I'd like to ask, are there any projects or productions you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I don't. There aren't any. Currently, I'm trying to just enjoy married life for right now. I just got married. and Congratulations. Thank you. And enjoy. I'm very much looking forward to the final performance, the party after, and seeing everybody who's had anything to do with Phantom on April 16th. And just see where life takes me performance wise and I'm not going to stop auditioning not going to stop performing but sometimes it takes a while to get that new thing in the meantime I have opened a small coaching studio so feel free to contact me for that you know I want to help people who have no idea what to do in this business And, you know, there's so much technical singing in this and technical dancing and everything. But all of that said, some people literally have no idea where to start. And I think that's my niche is not is as advanced as my career has gotten. And as the degrees that I have, I want to I want that person who's like afraid to ask the question to reach out to me. And with that, every actor's fairy godmother was born. Yes, I'm the <laughs> FG. And it leads us to our final question, which is perfect. And that's if our listeners want more information about you, maybe they want to reach out to you. How can they do so? So I'm on Instagram. I'm currently private because, you know, people are a little weird sometimes. But it's at Kitty Heaton. So I go by Kitty 
often and this is my maiden name that that's my actor's equity name so I haven't changed it there so at Kitty Heaton I also have a very outdated but revamping in the process website www.katherineheaton.com and that's Catherine with two a's and that again, it's it's has all current info, but it's just a little outdated. So I'm working with somebody to to revamp that. Yep. Perfect. Well, we can definitely direct people to both of those. So yeah, and I answer my DMs. If you if you're a serious, I'm not gonna, you know, just teach someone who's not sure what they're doing. But if you're serious and you really need some help, please reach out. Amazing. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me, to share your wealth of knowledge, these amazing memories. It's been an honor, not just to speak with a cast member from Phantom of the Opera, but just to speak with you and your just legendary you with everything you've done. So thank you for coming on our show today. Thank you so much. And keep doing what you're doing because it's a great podcast. Again, I'm biased because it's theater. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. My guest today has been Catherine Heaton, who is an actress currently performing in The Phantom of the Opera, which is now playing until April 16th at the Majestic Theater. You can get tickets and more information by visiting telecharge.com. But more importantly, make sure you follow and stay up to date on Catherine with all the many things she's going to be doing in the future, as well as this great coaching that she's going to be starting. You can find her on Instagram at Kitty Heaton or check out her website, katherineheaton.com. And we're going to be posting this on our episode description as well as social media so that you can follow her and reach out to her and support her and keep track of all the incredible things that she's about to go out and do. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.